I'm Megan Bob, and I'm here to understand the mysteries of wrestling. And I'm Miles, and I'm here to help. With the aid of my favorite wrestling show, this is The Next Wrestling Fan, an NXT review podcast for would-be wrestling fans who don't know where to start. And current wrestling fans who want to relive the magic of that first time. This week... We submit the episode of NXT that originally aired on July 31st, 2014 to the Oscars for consideration. (laughs) I'm sure they're going to love it. And by the Oscars, we mean all of you. You are the Oscars. Yeah. In this episode. Natty, don't, don't, don't put that in your mouth. Don't just please. uh, Gross. Welcome to episode 63 of The Next Wrestling Fan, a podcast of fights and feels. Last episode, we said goodbye to Rusev and Summer Rae, and it was very sad. Yeah. Uh, This episode, we say hello to Natalia being gross, and it's even sadder. I can't believe that fucking gross is your... You're a theater person. I cannot believe that that's your bar. Okay, we'll talk about it. Okay. Other stuff happens too, I guess. We'll hear all about that in Bob's Breakdown. We will then get into the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. Award some lucky performers with the Bullrance Olivier Award for outstanding commitment to the bit. And hear another beautiful Megan Bob fanfic explaining last episode's Wrestling Term of the Week. There will be no Wrestling Term of the Week on this episode uh, entirely for the reason that uh, we are recording this on the day after Thanksgiving, and yep. I have two children now, and I haven't had time to write one, so I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but we will be closing things out with the cheap pop quiz. Before we do that, however, it's time to get the answers to last episode's cheap pop quiz. Bob currently has three points. Oh, yeah. In this round of quizzing, they need ten to do another bonus episode on a romance novel. Did they get any closer to that goal? It's time to find out. I think I got one. I can't remember. You've been on a real uh, one point per episode trend here, Bob. So let's see how we do. Question number one. Which of the following things does not occur in the men's division on the next episode? A. Somebody finally calls Adrian Neville a hobbit, which about time. B. Adrian Neville makes a your mom joke and it's treated like the sickest burn in the world. (laughs) C. Ty Dillinger tells Jason Jordan, boom, 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 let me hear you say no to drugs. Oh my god. D. Connor says the word annihilation, but with a yaw in it, so it's annihilation. Or E. All of these things, in fact, occur. Oh, you got me. I got you with E. This one, Bob, the correct answer was C. Uh, Still no uh, word from Ty Dillinger, and still no updates on Jason Jordan's investigation. I'm sure uh, that's happening in the background and we're just not seeing it. Absolutely. But unfortunately, they do not say, boom, 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 let me hear you say no to drugs. Question number two, which of the following things does not occur in the women's division on the next episode? A, Becky Lynch gets a new entrance with new music and none of it has anything to do with the fact that she's Irish. B, the feud between Bailey and Charlotte is reignited this time with the title involved. C, Alexa Bliss throws a mildly heelish temper tantrum after losing another match to Sasha Banks. D. Natalia 
puts a lollipop that has just been in Adam Rose's mouth into her mouth, or E, all of these things in fact occur. Uh, Bob, once again, you yep. went with E with this one. The correct answer is C. Uh, Alexa Bliss does not appear on this episode, nor does I, Sasha Banks. I am a simple moth. I see a flame. <laughs> I must go towards it. And question number three. On this episode of NXT, we saw Kalisto get a new tag team partner. On the next episode, which of the following wrestlers does not get a new tag team partner? A. Mojo Raleigh. B. Bull Dempsey. C. Adam Rose. D. A returning Scott Dawson. Or E. All of these wrestlers, in fact, get a new tag team partner. Bob, you did not select E for this one. Oh. Which is good, because that's not the right answer. <laughs> uh, you went with the answer B, Bull Dempsey. Mm. You were very close, but unfortunately the answer was C, Adam Rose, does not get a new tag team partner on this episode. So, skunked you on this one, Bob. Yeah. Uh, still at three. That's okay. That's okay. Look. That is. The longer it takes us to get uh, to the next romance novel bonus episode, the less editing you have to do. This is always true, although the next one I'm going to give you is a real favorite of mine. Like, I'm excited. Very important to me. If you don't like it, you're wrong is the problem. (laughs) So you have to like it. (laughs) All right. Well, that's some incentive for you to get some more points here. Maybe I'll make it a little bit easier. I won't. won't Oh, no, you won't. You better not. I will not. Okay. You know what I will do, though, Bob? What? I will sit here and listen to you tell me about this episode of NXT, because it's time for Bob's Breakdown. Our commentary team for this episode is Tom Phillips, Byron Saxton, and Renee Young. So not bad. Yeah, it's all right. Immediately, Tyler Breeze's theme song hits. He's hailing from Santorini, Greece at the moment. Miles, tagging you in. Yes. Oh, there, right away. There is a history of announcing where people are from. And I know that there's this whole history of like parts unknown. And then with somebody like Orange Cassidy hailing from wherever, weighing whatever. And then Breeze's deal is that he's got seasonal residents. It moves around. I can see like in the territorial days, like you would go, ah, oh, ah, oh, I can't believe this person is from Milwaukee or whatever. <laughs> but like, yeah. Can you explain this? It's used now pretty much entirely as a as an element of character. So Breeze has a seasonal resonance in wherever because he's a supermodel and that's the kind of thing that supermodels do. So it's a tradition in wrestling, like you said. So like you can play it straight and like be like, this is where you're actually from, which, you know, you can do that. <laughs> um, or you can make it part of your character like Orange Cassidy does. It's just one of those things where it's a it's a wrestling tradition. You know, you can use it like when a wrestler's in their hometown. It's really cool mm. to have that happen. Whenever it's anything more than like just a thing that you do in wrestling because we've always done it this way, it's to inform character. So Breeze saunters to the ring with his little trademark sneer smirk. Sneerk? And <laughs> the audience starts a Breeze's gorgeous chant. He is up against Angelo Dawkins. I always really like him. He is a tall, strong boy. Yes. The bell goes for match one. If you haven't seen Angelo Dawkins, he has about a foot and a half on Breeze, maybe. Mm. Like, I want to watch him fight Big Cass, really. But here we are. He picks up Breeze like a bag of oats and just drops into the mat and does this punctuating undulation that's a real, take that, pretty boy. (laughs) Breeze kicks him and then gets him into the corner and just pours out a gallon of kicks on Dawkins. 
The ref tries to intervene, and Breeze is like, one, do not talk to me. You are a three, addressing an 11, know your place. <laughs> and then two, I have until five, get the fuck away. That's right. Dawkins is on the outside and takes a club to the back and a face to the rails before being slung back into the ring and beauty shotted for the pin and the win. Breeze picks up his phone and as if mortally offended by the sight of his fallen opponent in the background, puts his phone down and goes to toss Dawkins out of the ring before getting on the mic. I appreciated that he was like, no, 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 this setting matters. Yeah. His first words. Well, that was annoying. Miles. (laughs) Yes. Miles. I know. Well, that was annoying. My heart sang. (laughs) It is the best line you could have possibly said in that moment. It conveys like a fucking avalanche of important things about who his character is in four fucking words. I agree. But that's not why he's out here. He's out here to laugh at the fact that Neville got clobbered by Rusev last week and to announce that he has finally submitted his music video for the Academy Awards Best Documentary category. And the audience is so willing to go with it and chants, Mm -hmm. thank you, Tyler. Neville's music hits and he gets on the mic. But the fucking audience is doing the what chant. But I was like, why are you wetting Neville? Are you sick of Neville? Is it because he's a face and you're tired of having a face champion? You want to boo somebody? What's going on? Miles, why? I would say two things. Uh, The first thing is that the way Neville is talking. So like he's cutting this promo while in the act of getting into the ring. So like because he's doing that, he sort of has to take pauses so that Mm. he can like, you know, get into the ring. And so that diction that he's using just lends itself very naturally to the what chant. Mm. Um, the other reason is that, you know, like you said, there's people who are really into Tyler Breeze here, man. They're very into him. And yeah. this feud between Neville and Breeze, I think a lot of people are on Team Breeze. I know. And I'm like, that seems like a poor choice of opponent <laughs> for Neville if you want to. I don't know. It's odd. It's very sure. odd. Breeze burns him good with a dig about his hobbit appearance. Neville responds with a, your mom sent me a selfie jab. I kind of appreciate them doing a slow burn on this relationship. They're not rushing to get to the match between them. They're just stretching it out as they, you know, circle one another in this weird way. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Very fanficy. Yeah. Not enough I, fanfic I, for early NXT, I must say. I love their dynamic. I love listening to them. Like whenever they're backstage talking to each other or in the ring talking to each other, they're just so funny together. They are. Remember whenever it was like, do you like playing games? No, I hate games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's <fucking exactly>. tremendous. <laughs> All right. Backstage. Ugh. New interview person. She is a lovely young black woman, which yay for more black people getting screen time in WWE period and being included in all aspects of the wrestling business. But also, she is so much more comfortable on the mic than Devin ever was. Is she new? I haven't never seen her before. Okay. All right. And I would use this person's name, but wait, no, we do learn it later on. We just didn't learn at the beginning. Nobody said it at first. Is it JoJo? It's JoJo, yeah. Okay. Nobody said it. And then Mojo Raleigh called her that later on. And I was going, okay, is this Mojo Raleigh just calling her this? 
And like her name is actually like, I don't know, Joanna. Uh, the reason they don't say her name is because they're assuming you already know who she is oh. because she has already appeared on um, Total Divas and uh, some main event stuff. Oh, some main roster stuff, rather. Interesting. So, yeah. yeah, that's why that's why I thought they didn't like mention anything about her. So that, that was like I didn't really think about the fact that we've never seen her before. But yeah. Fun fact about Jojo, she is in a relationship with and has two children with Bray Wyatt. Oh, good taste, lady. Right. She's asking Natty about Adam Rose's return and Natalia's excited for it. Rose is fun. And then walking buzzkill Tyson Kidd butts in to say, are you joking? You're into Rose's whole shtick. He's a clown. Fact. Natty flat out says, you're being a lemon. Just relax. And Kidd takes that about as well as you'd expect. So now he's going to fight Rose. D- doesn't Tyson have a point? <laughs> like, why are you asking Natalia about Adam Rose? There's no reason for it. I did think that was very weird. And it seems like an early NXT thing to do. Yeah. To just go, well, let's just make awkwardness. I'm like, all right, I'm down for that. But I also thought maybe it signals in some way that Natalia is kind of NXT royalty, for lack of a better word, that like she gets to have an opinion about things because she's somebody whose opinion matters. I can see that. I can see that. She's very lovely, Miles. She is. Absolutely. As everybody assures us, but also they're correct. She's very lovely. Match two. Charlotte is here and she's going to fight Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch has revamped her whole thing. Thank God. Yeah, she's like ass kicker rocker chick. I was kind of like, oh boy, because the crowd is chanting for Becky Lynch already. And I was like, oh boy. Uh, She is the face, but also I'm a little shocked that you have left Charlotte's side so quickly. The match starts off with some fancy schmancy counter wrestling, including a moment when Lynch pops up to the second rope to do a Ninja Turtle sidekick to Charlotte's head. I love to see those cartoony moves. And then, <laughs> like a heel, Charlotte chooses a body part to focus on and starts working away. The left leg of Lynch is in for a beating. Charlotte bends it, twists it, wrenches it, bops it, all the things. She twines up that leg and bends into a bridge. Just, it was kind of disgusting. <laughs> wrecking <laughs> Becky's knee. My knee is mostly fine, but you know, we've talked about the treachery of knees before. Don't do that to a knee. And then she lays Becky gently in the ropes like a beautiful damsel and then just knees the entire fuck out of Becky's left leg. <laughs> Becky might be struggling, but when Charlotte has her down, she's able to try for a quick pin. She gets in her drop kick and the leg drops, but it is nowhere near enough to stop Charlotte from coming back and floating over Becky to deliver bow down to the queen and pin her for the win. R.I.P. Lynch's left leg. Mm. Backstage, Mojo Raleigh comes in and says, Jojo! To the young woman backstage. So, and we know her name now, which I'm very excited there about. There you go. Yep. He's here to hunt for a tag team partner. My dude, take out an ad on vampiresonly.com. That's how Connor <laughs> and Victor found each other. <laughs> He doesn't care who his partner is, as long as they're hyped. It could even be Mojo and Jojo. Then... obviously called by the word hyped dollar store eddie (laughs) kingston bull dempsey appears stage right to say that he doesn't want to team with mojo but he needs a partner and mojo will have to do he warns him not to screw it up and one moment mojo is about to get really excited he's like no like you're telling a dog drop it no very powerful i know that bull dempsey was trying to be threatening and that is not his strength And I am sorry. He's trying. 
He should be the goofy fun best friend. Match three, the Ascension versus two indistinguishable white guys. <laughs> I want to say I am sure they have rich personal lives and are whole people, but there is not anything done to strongly differentiate them. So they might as well be labeled blood donor A and blood donor B positive. Soft ring of the bell here for Mac Miles, who this is not the first time this has happened, but I believe this is Mac Miles first and only wrestling match. Well, good job being there. Yeah. Highlights from this match. The Ascension do a tag team football crouch and then leap at one of the dudes to take him down. Victor is delivering some blows to guy in the corner and the ref intervenes, giving him a look like, that's that's gross. Don't hit his face. What the hell's wrong with you? (laughs) What if his face starts leaking or something? (laughs) the audience chanting baby blue baby blue i think for the guy in the ring who had baby blue briefs yeah was that That miles or was that the other guy who can know miles we can't we'll never find out i even know who steve cutler is and i did i couldn't tell them apart (laughs) (laughs) they look slightly different but at the same time no there's nothing i can tell apart from them yeah so i appreciate that the audience was just here for the chaos Connor does a clothesline off the top rope to destroy that guy. Uh, they do the fall of man and it's over. I don't think we got a peck shimmy this time. I was, I didn't see no, one. I was looking for it. I know. Connor, just bring that back. My dude. I, can I find him on Instagram? And ask him to, <laughs> I'm not on Instagram, but can I find him and maybe a cameo? Just say, just you need to do more. This is very important. The audience cheer for the Ascension's victory. It's a little weak. And then they get on the mic. Victor mentions the tag team tournament that's starting next week for number one contenders and says, we all know what those victims fate will be. It's like, uh, yeah, exsanguination in a shallow grave in the swamps of Florida. One presumes. That's right. (laughs) Some interview with the vampires did. I know. Yeah, you're not coming back from that. You're no Lestat. Yeah. Connor has another answer, though. Total annihilation. The audience goes fucking nuts. 10 out of 10. We get an ad for SummerSlam from the past as a kind of lead up to SummerSlam for 2014. So it's SummerSlam 1998, I think. There's Steve Austin, Edge teaming with Sable, Rock fighting Triple H. I was just curious if you had been watching in 1998 and where SummerSlam fits in the bizarre hierarchy of WWE pay-per-view events. Because I know WrestleMania is the big one. And then is SummerSlam like second biggest, most important? Generally, yes. I think that you could make an argument for the Royal Rumble as the second biggest one. Well, the Royal Rumble is easily the best one. The Royal Rumble is the best one. But I think that because SummerSlam tends to come sort of opposite the calendar from WrestleMania, Mm. WrestleMania usually happens in early April and SummerSlam tends to happen in like late August. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for that reason, it's kind of seen as you know, the halfway point between manias. And so Mm. it's treated as a big deal. Um, Traditionally, the quote unquote big four pay-per-views were WrestleMania, SummerSlam, the Royal Rumble and Survivor Series. Although these days, Survivor Series is just utterly fucking unwatchable. Um, (laughs) Real fall from grace for uh, Survivor Series as a concept over the last few years. The time um, they did it with NXT, I did see that. That was quite good. (laughs) It was fine. Back in the old days, there were there were storylines that it wasn't just about like which shirt you were wearing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, so that's SummerSlam, one of the big four. And I think 
could make an argument for being the second most important pay-per-view after WrestleMania. Uh, again, at least traditionally, like these days, it's yeah. hard to make those kind of judgments about WWE these days because it really doesn't seem like they even care. Yeah. Um, as far as SummerSlam 98 goes, uh, I was not watching at the time. Uh, longtime listeners will remember that I did not start watching wrestling until the early 2000s. I was not around for SummerSlam 98. However, I am aware of the show. It's generally considered to be a, a very good one. If you wanted to get a good showcase of what WWF was like in 1998, like hmm. in the middle of the Monday Night Wars and the Attitude Era, and you actually wanted it to be a good show, <laughs> SummerSlam 98 is a pretty good option for you. Okay. Um, it's best remembered for the Rock Triple H ladder match for the Intercontinental Championship and for the championship match between Stone Cold and The Undertaker. So, yeah. Decent I show. have never seen most of those people wrestle. The only no. one I think I've seen, well, I saw The Undertaker do that cinematic match. I don't know if that counts. You've, you've never seen The Undertaker actually wrestle. And I'm not I, saying he's great at it. But. Yeah. And I've seen Edge, but that's it. Yeah, I believe uh, SummerSlam 98 was Edge's first pay-per-view. We get a package on CJ Parker. He is <laughs> fighting for the Earth, and why don't people want to fucking help the Earth? And also, his victory over Woods is just beginning. The movement has begun. And I was kind of like, yeah, good for you, CJ Parker. I'm yeah. happy for you. Let's almost chat your name. <laughs> yeah, I'm on your side. I mean, I love Xavier Woods, but Xavier Woods is really mean. And I was like, aww. I mean, yeah. C.J. Parker shouldn't have started shit, but at the same time, I'm like, Woods. C.J. Parker is definitely the baby face in this feud for me. We've talked yeah. about it before. Match number four, Mojo Raleigh hypes to the ring and his partner, Bull Dempsey, stalks in after him. I was like, oh, geez. And then, holy fucking shit, it's FTR from AEW as babies. Yep. It's the mechanics, Scott Dawson and Dash Wilder. And they look old school as heck. So I went into this going... Well, the story here, who, this is not about the moves. No one cares. It's much more about the obvious, inevitable dissolution of Team Hype Ball, which is what Mojo Raleigh and Bull Dempsey obviously are going to be known as. Okay. So things start out with Dempsey in the ring, and then Raleigh tags himself in already. Like, this can only go well. But guys, guys, somehow it doesn't explode. So mm. Raleigh gets his arm wrecked. It's getting worked over by Wilder. But he does get Wilder into the corner for those full body checks, tags in Dempsey, picks up Wilder, slams him to the mat for three. And I was like, what? So <laughs> so this is a time bomb, obviously. Like, Mojo Raleigh is going to fuck this up, clearly. Because Bull Dempsey already made it clear, like, if you fuck this up, I'll kill you. Right, and that's what he said to him, yeah. They're going to create a storyline from this. They have to, because otherwise, that's a Chekhov's gun. You have put it on the table. But I really thought they were just going to blow it right now. But clearly this tag team tournament needs it to go off later. So I'm like, oh, you've got to let that fuse burn for a while. OK, well, and the tag team tournament hasn't actually started yet. The tag team tournament starts next week. So they need to they can't blow up their oh. they can't blow up the tag team yet because they still need to put have enough teams for this <laughs> fucking tournament that they've decided to do. <laughs> so. oh my god uh, they just need yeah. to grab random people they're like Sami Zayn and this camera guy <laughs> yeah I mean that's basically what they're doing I think the fact that you expected that to happen is proof that you are 
picking some shit up about how wrestling works, Megan Bob. Very good. Thank uh, you. NXT does tend to be a little bit of a slower bird than that, though. So okay. uh, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying maybe wait a couple of weeks. Okay. I appreciate um, that. That's a nice thing. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I would like to think, maybe I'm wrong here, that I would have noticed that earlier in my wrestling watching, but that may be me. I mean, uh, hey. Yeah, maybe not. You know maybe what? I'm giving, I'm giving you credit. You got that down. You recognized uh, your boys, FTR, as they're called now, which welcome into uh, to Dash Wilder. I don't have a trading card for him because I don't think he was super notable prior to coming into NXT. Mm. Um, but it's nice to see them. It's nice to see Scott Dawson back. Yeah, I'm happy and, for him. Uh, and with his official soulmate, who he will be with for a very long time. Backstage, it's Bailey, And she's happy to see the BFFs break up because they're mean to her. And she's beaten Charlotte before. You should know that interviewer. She's beaten Charlotte before. She totally pinned her before. And then <laughs> Charlotte gently coughs and says the most devastating, I kind of pity you. Oof. <laughs> and explains that Bailey does not have what it takes and she should just not speak Charlotte's name. I'm like, I brutal. Awful. Very good, though. Match five. Adam Rose parties to the ring and he's got a red top hat, big white sunglasses, glam, Tyson is here and ready to show him what's what. And now it's time for Lady Whistledown's match report. Yes. And I want to say, I know it seems like I've been really doing a lot of the main events lately, but the strife of Tyson Kidd is so incredibly Regency. Yeah. That yeah, how can really, I not do that? It really one? is. I'm sort of like this. Why well, I should just fucking rip this off and write this goddamn book. It's it's <laughs> right there. I just have it. Loosely adapted. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mr. Rose is newly arrived back amongst our social set. He's been on the continent enjoying the delights, but one is ever so glad to see his winsome smile grace our gatherings once again, although Mr. Kidd finds him most troublesome indeed, as Mr. Kidd does most things. His own wife, Lady Natalia, was quite pleased at the return of Mr. Rose, as he does add a certain panache to the proceedings. But Mr. Kidd very much took this amiss. The assembled crowd for their bout very much sided with Mr. Rose, calling for party time all the time. And when they locked up, it seems as though Mr. Rose's time away has caused him to lose some of his whimsy in the squared circle. Mr. Kidd used the ropes to great effect, tangling amongst them to best Mr. Rose, a gamble which failed and then raised the ire of Mr. Rose. Meanwhile, a smile graces the lips of Lady Natalia, and she even gave a faint laugh. Mr. Rose left the ring to look rakishly at Lady Natalia, and then offered her a sweet. Now, it must be said that this sweet had been in his own mouth but moments ago. Yes, it must be said. Thank you, Lady Whistledown. It should be said over and over again. <laughs> Lady Natalia took it and placed it in her own mouth, much to the shock of the assembly. <laughs> a surprising intimacy between them given the feelings of Mr. Kidd. Mr. Kidd repaired to the side of his wife immediately to express his ire, much to the disapproval of all. When back in the ring, his viciousness redoubled. But perhaps it is worth noting that outrage is not the ideal strategy. Mr. Rose takes the advantage and kicks Mr. Kidd soundly before snapping him with a suplex that was so rapid one could nearly miss it. Lady Natalia valiantly attempted to start a chant in favor of her beloved, but to little avail. 
As the crowd chants, you're a lemon, Mr. Kid throws Mr. Rose into one of the posts most roughly. Mr. Kid does manage to take control of the proceedings and give Mr. Rose a most thorough beating indeed. His pace is notably methodical and slower than his former high-flying ways. Mr. Rose is not going to permit this to continue, though, and delivers an extraordinarily brutal slam to the mat that was sure to injure the spine of Mr. Kid. Mr. Kid comes back from this blow and is positioned to perhaps finish Mr. Rose off. But Mr. Rose, canny fellow that he is, strikes with a surprise roll-up that pins Mr. Kid for three. Mr. Kid is distraught and outraged, but Lady Natalia, loving wife that she is, goes to his side to offer comfort. But this marital bliss appears to be cracking under the strain as Mr. Kid rebuffs Lady Natalia and leaves without her. This writer hopes that for the sake of their marriage, Mr. Kid can find it in himself to realize that the true prize is the love of his beautiful wife and not revenge mm. for whatever petty slights he perceives. I like that a lot. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Lady Whistledown. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that breakdown, Bob. How did you find this episode overall? You know, I liked it. I don't know if I liked, I liked it, it as much as Jason Jordan Wrestling Detective, but I fucking <laughs> liked it. I liked it a lot. I am getting a real taste for the Tyson Kid matches, even though I could give a fuck about watching a heel do heel shit by slowing down a match. That's not, yeah. I, don't, I don't come here for that. But man, the interpersonal drama is so good. Yeah, and like the matches are good too. Like he's, Tyson has been having a pretty decent series of really good matches with basically everybody on the roster. And yeah. I thought this main event was really excellent. I just don't care about choosing a body part and working on it. I just don't care. I, I understand. I understand that. I can, but it's the rare wrestler where I'm like, oh, shit. Well, with that in mind, I think it's now time to get into the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. So, Megan, Bob, for this episode, what did your elf eyes see? There's a moment after Tyson uses the ropes to get Rose. Uh-huh. Rose starts spanking Kid? Am <laughs> I seeing this? He's like, he's like trying to smack him on the butt, and he can't quite reach, but like he's smacking him, and it smacks. It's not like clubbing blows or yeah. anything like that. <laughs> yeah. And he can't quite reach it, so it's sort of like the upper butt. I think that's what Natalia's laughing about, but... I was going, is that know. what I'm seeing or is this, I am I misperceiving this? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it's supposed to evoke that, but I definitely did notice it. <laughs> and I think it might be what Natty's laughing about. I'm honestly not sure. There's always kind of a, a, an undercurrent of like sexual tension in Adam Rose, like the Adam Rose character and his matches as oh, a result. 100%. And I so, don't know what he's doing on the indies if he's even still wrestling, but I would like to see him continue to be like sort of dreamy sexy boy i hope very much that uh, that was an intentional choice that they slipped in there for that reason yeah and miles what did your elf eyes see i just i have to shout out natty's dress oh yeah because it's really fucking gorgeous yeah i know <laughs> like in wrestling people wear like street clothes and like nice clothes to the ringside all the time right mm. 
And it's fine. You're washing what's in the ring. But, like, I was washing her a lot more often. <laughs> yeah, that right? dress is really, really nice. It's really pretty. She looks like a fucking Princess Grace of Monaco or something like that. You're just going, yeah. oh, my God, she's royalty. How did who let her in here? Surely she has guards. Yeah, it's not, like, explicitly sexy or anything. No. It's not revealing. It's just a really classy, gorgeous dress. And I like it. And I kind of wanted is that weird no i mean this is what i think about fashion and i have big long deep thoughts about fashion but fashion is like any other art and it's i think it's harder to talk about because it's gendered so heavily Mm -hmm. but you still find a piece of art that speaks to you in some way and you sort of some part of you wants to possess it and like hoard it and love it and you know have a picture of it and all this other stuff because it speaks to you wear it all the time yeah yes exactly that you just like or even just fucking have it yeah absolutely see it in the closet and be happy yes exactly fashion has that power and i think we don't sort of think about it in that way because it's also so mass produced so it's rare that you get like the shining example where you go it's perfection I like that. Well, Bob, for this episode, what did your Vulcan ears hear? Byron Saxton. Naturally. He's talking about Mojo and Dempsey. It's like mixing a T-bone steak with peanut butter and jelly. (laughs) Okay, one. Obviously, the T-bone steak is Dempsey and peanut butter and jelly (laughs) is Mojo Raleigh. That's so... Clearly. Just obvious. Yeah, I don't okay. know why you would say anything else. I mean, also, I like the idea that in any relationship, there's a T-bone steak and a peanut butter and jelly. It's like, oh, which are you? I'm like, oh, I'm the peanut butter and jelly, definitely. Yeah. Um, hear me out, though. I honestly think there's a way to make steak with peanut butter and jelly work. I think it's a workable dish. Okay. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just, I'm, I'm just struggling to picture it. Okay, I'm going to point out two things. One, satay is a sauce that exists and is a peanut butter sort of sweet sauce that goes with meats. And you can have it, you know, people often have it with chicken, but you could have it with beef. Satay beef is a thing. Two, game meats and dark meats are often served with a fruity sauce or something. Like uh-huh. you can have, you know, blueberry and venison or something like that. And sure, so yeah. I don't think it is unthinkable to have satay and also a berry component with a red meat. I think it would okay. be odd, but I think it is culinarily possible and in a way that wouldn't be appalling. I can see that, actually. I would be fucking amazing on Chopped. No, I wouldn't. I fucking, I would be, <laughs> I'd be like, what? Rush? I'm not doing, I'm going to take a fucking nap. Fuck you. <laughs> Not cut out for that chopped life. Miles, what did your Vulcan ears hear? Interestingly, another uh, another Mojo related thing. Oh, yes. Um, I just picked up really hard on what he says to Jojo in the backstage segment interview where he's like, you could be my tag team partner. We'd be team Mojo Jojo. And like, honestly, yeah, y'all, if you want to get me invested in Mojo Raleigh. Yeah. What you maybe should have done was put him in a tag team with JoJo and given them Powerpuff Girl themed gear. <gasps> that would be so cute. Because oh, I would watch the shit out of that. What a missed opportunity. <laughs> also, intergender wrestling is just extremely compelling. I love intergender tag teams and I also love tag teams where 
one person is like big and muscular and the other person is tiny. Yes. That's one of my favorite things. Yes. Um, so yeah, that, like that Jojo is very small, a very yes. small woman. So I would be super into that. Super Missed into opportunity, that. WWE. It happened in my brain. Okay. In my mind, both MC just never showed up. <laughs> and that segment ended with Jojo being like, you know what? <laughs> Donning a mask. All right, Bob, what did your human heart feel? Oh, my God. Weirdly, Mojo Raleigh. What? <laughs> what? Am I having a stroke? Do I smell <laughs> toast? I don't know. I just, something about his excitement, I think with Jojo, actually really spoke to me. And I was like, oh, you know what? Like, I love dogs. And I just generally love all dogs. But there's dogs that are like annoying even and you still love them but they're like annoying because they're like ah so excited about everything and you're like okay sure. i can't i can't live at that speed buddy sure yeah um yeah. he's one of those and like i see it so clearly right now in this segment and it made me love him in a way that i never expected <laughs> i was like oh he's just one of those dogs that you're like is a real great dane that'll knock you the fuck over i like that Miles, what did your human heart feel? Something less inscrutable? Don't put the lollipop in your mouth. Oh, my God. What? <laughs> I'm sorry. Look, I know that you do things in theater. It's okay. It's fine. But I can't not have a visceral reaction to somebody taking a lollipop out of their mouth, handing it to somebody else, who then puts it in their mouth. That seems fine to me. I mean, How it's not... How is this not weird to you? No, it's gross, but it doesn't bother me. You don't have any kind of a reaction to seeing that? Uh, I mean, I guess I thought 30% gross, 70% sexy. Well, okay, that's interesting, because I was going to say, can I interest you yes. in the way she put the lollipop in her mouth? Oh, you, I, sir, I am subscribed to that newsletter already. <laughs> Because it was very much like, I'm going to go down on this dick now. <laughs> yes, it was absolutely that. And it was perfection. Could not have done a better job while remaining a PG product. The reason it's what my human heart felt on this episode is because, like, it's disgusting and I find it disgusting. Like, I had that, like, disgust reaction to it. But also, like, it's the best hook to hang this match on. Oh, Yeah. 100%. Like, I just love the fact that, like, for no reason we're doing this thing where Natalia is is kind of into Adam Rose. <laughs> and that's kind of what we're going to use. And, like, to the, to the point that the fucking lollipop distracts Tyson and that's why he loses. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I had a lot of feelings about this lollipop is what I'm saying. It's a really brilliant move. I have a lot of time for the thing that is on the line of gross but acceptable. Fair not, enough. I like that. Not stuff that's like outright disgusting. Right. But stuff that is on the line of like, this is socially weird, but also has weird intimacy implications. That shit is gold. I hear that. I will say too, also, I think that like, I would probably have been less sensitive to this before COVID. Well, yeah, of course. Of course. I think that's very natural. All right. Well, those were the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. It is time now to award the Lawrence Bolivier Trophy <laughs> for outstanding commitment to the bit. Bob, 
Who are you giving it to this time? How can I not give it to Tyler Breeze? Okay. I just... <laughs> I see that. He beat someone and then said, well, that's annoying. Before teasing the crowd that he was totally going to challenge for the championship, only just to swerve and talk about the music video. Fucking masterful. There were some other moments in here in this episode that I was very pleased with. I almost gave it to Connor because he got the crowd back on side just by putting ya in annihilation. <laughs> yeah. But man, Breeze just owned that moment. It was very good. He was a strong contender for me too. All right, Miles, who did you give your Borance Olivier award to? I mean, I have to give it to Natty. <sighs> I just like she put the lollipop in her mouth like and, and she did it in a way that looked like a blowjob. I have to give it to Natty. <laughs> you know, you're not wrong. I, that is that is just unfair. So again, there's no wrestling term of the week on this episode, but we do have to hear Bob's fanfic explaining last episode's wrestling term of the week, which was ring general. Bob, excited for this one. The gimmick for the match was a duel, with swords, naturally. Would he fight left-handed and give the fellow a chance? Inigo Montoya didn't particularly care about this match, other than that it was important to getting the number one contendership, <laughs> so he could challenge the six-fingered man. Never even met the man he'd be fighting. Someone from another promotion. Chrono something, it was called. The door to the training center opened and a small green fellow strode in, his bearing serious. I am Inigo Montoya, and you are to be my opponent, it seems. My name is Glenn, though oft I am called Frog. Hmm, you seem a decent <laughs> fellow. I hate to beat you. Glenn smiled faintly. Thou thinkst to beat me in combat? I know much of your deeds, but I am something of a ring general in mine own right. I am an accomplished swordsman, green though I may appear. Inigo's eyebrows raised in frank appraisal. My friend, knowing of my deeds and fighting me are two very different experiences. When thou seest mine own prowess with the blade, I think thou wilt find me skilled enough to deem me a ring general and thine equal, Glenn answered, standing up a little straighter in his armor. Inigo frowned. You keep saying that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. <laughs> it is one who calls the action and there will be no calling of anything. I will win because I must. The six-fingered man will taste defeat at my hands. Your language is passing strange. But tis no matter. We duel and we shall see who may call themselves the superior swordsman. Inigo grinned, drawing his blade. The right hand it is, my friend. So. All right. Was, who, who I know. That? that was Frog from Chrono Trigger and Inigo Matoya. Oh, I have never, I've never played that game. Well, uh, he's a little frogman and he is from 600 AD somehow where frog people were knights. I guess. Okay. All right. I like that. Yeah. It's cute. Well done, Bob. Thank you. Uh, thank you to Dan Mercer and Grass Dragon for these characters. And just to note, yes, I know that's not how Yieldy Speak works, but that's roughly how it is in Chrono Trigger from the quotes I found. So <laughs> just let me enjoy my reckless use of thou and thine. Well, Bob, it is now time to finish out our show with the cheap pop quiz. All right, Bob, you have three points, seven to get that sweet, sweet romance novel bonus episode. Oh, my God. I love this book so much, too. Question number one. On the next episode, the number one contenders tag team tournament officially begins. And yes, they are still hastily throwing teams together. <laughs> yes. And yes, one of those teams does involve Sami Zayn. Fuck yes. 
Who is Sammy's tag team partner? Oh, God. Is it A, Adrian Neville? B, Xavier Woods? Hmm? C, Adam Rose? Hmm. D, Tyler Breeze? Or E, Angelo Dawkins? Hmm. I was very tempted to say all of the above and see if you guessed it anyway. <laughs> it's in a polyamorous tri- <laughs> polyamorous tag team. You're all my tag team partners. We <laughs> share right. this. Okay, I don't think it can be Neville, although that would be fun too. I don't think Woods is hanging around, so I don't think it's Woods. I don't know if Adam Rose is going to hang around, but he's doing main roster shit, so that seems like a weird pick, although I would enjoy it. You know mm-hmm. what? For the chaos. And he was here recently. Maybe he's sticking around for like a minute. Why the fuck not Adam Rose? Adam Rose. All right. Adam Rose is your answer. Question number two. This is more of a warning than anything else. Oh, no. On the next episode, we will meet a main roster wrestler by the name of Eva Marie. Oh, okay. Known primarily for her role on Total Divas and for being widely considered among the least talented people to ever set foot inside a wrestling rig. Damn. Why is she here? Is it A, she's here to get her ass kicked by Bailey, and then we don't see her again for a year? B, she's here to get her ass kicked by Charlotte in an impromptu NXT Women's Championship match, no less, and then we don't see her again for a year? C, she's Sasha Banks' new quote-unquote best friend, and she's here to do crony heel work? (laughs) D, she's here to start a feud with Alexa Bliss, based on their kayfabe history as rival cheerleaders, or E, she's involved in the next chapter of Jason Jordan's investigation into the disappearance (sighs) of Ty Dillinger. Oh, I want E so badly, but I want also a point. (laughs) So. I don't know what you're insinuating, Bob. It feels so WWE to me that they would have Eva Marie there and just go, Fuck it. Let's just have a women's title match tonight. Like, we're not doing anything. I know the women's division is getting better, but I don't think we're quite at intricate planning phase yet. So random title match it is. Random title match gets her ass kicked by Charlotte. We don't see her again for a year. Who knows? It might even be no DQ. (laughs) And question number three. Finally, and perhaps most importantly... The next episode features one of my favorite spots in wrestling. A wrestler jumping in front of their tag team partner and getting hit by a move that was meant for them. Which wrestler sacrifices himself for his friend? Oh, shit. Is it A, Aiden English sacrifices himself for Simon Gotch? B, Big Cass sacrifices himself (laughs) for Enzo Amore? C, Kalisto sacrifices himself for Sin Cara? D, Justin Gabriel sacrifices himself for Tyson Kidd, or E, Sami Zayn sacrifices himself for whoever his tag team partner is. Oh, I feel like it has to be Aiden English. Okay. It doesn't have to be, like, it could be the others, but Aiden English, if that happened, I think would do it. And I think that's, like, an important distinguishing thing about their villainy, so I don't know. All right, so your answer is A, Aiden English sacrifices himself for Simon Gotch. Man, if Cass fucking sacrifices himself for Enzo, I'm like, that's a bad priority, my dude. You made a bad choice. (laughs) All right, and come back on the next episode to see if Bob got any more points in this edition of the Cheap Pop Quiz. Well, that's about all we got for this episode of The Next Wrestling Fan, Bob. 
thank you as always for joining me. Thank you. It has been a pleasure and it continues to be a pleasure, which is lovely. And of course, it continues to be a pleasure to uh, interact with all of you online, everybody who uh, listens to our show and talks to us and and uh, tells us how much they're enjoying it. We really appreciate you. Really appreciate all of our patrons who over to patreon.com slash NXT Wrestling Fan donate a little bit of their hard-earned money to help us keep our show lucrative so that we can keep it going and not have to put it aside for other projects. Uh, That really (laughs) helps me justify the time and effort I spend on this podcast. So thank you for that. (laughs) Thank you. Um, It helps me to go, yes, I do have to write the breakdown and I have to remember what things are called sometimes and also remember what they look like. Got to do it. Got to do it for all of you. Uh, Speaking of things we're doing for all of you, Bob, I think it's time for (gasps) the second match in the next Wrestling Fan Federation Trios Tournament. We've already seen... I'm extremely excited about this one. (laughs) We've already seen the team of... Harry Bumblespike, Oliver Silvers, and Changeling advance to round two. And now it is time for a little bit different kind of contest. That was a face-on-face match, Bob. This one, more of a heel-on-heel, which I know I've Mm. talked about doesn't usually work, but let me just lay it out for you, okay? So the first team that we have here is the team of Harley Hale, Ferguson Locke, and Flanagan Slay. Those two still your reigning tag team champions. You may have noticed that Conspicuous, in his absence, is the leader of this evil faction, Watership Doom. The faction that came together at the end of Ill Omens has been splintered because Watership Doom is not here. In fact, Watership Doom is on the other side of the ring from these three. He is teaming up inexplicably with Neil, who is teaming up inexplicably with Morgan Mab, uh, the mm. Queen of Cobwebs, who many suspect has a... Uh, sort of bewitched or enchanted her way into creating this team, uh, these two imposing wrestlers to sort of do yeah. her dirty work, as enchantresses so often do. <laughs> um, so while this match is technically heel on heel, there is a babyface element creeping into Hail, Lock, and Slay for this one, because they are legitimately, like, feeling betrayed <laughs> that yeah. their evil prophet has abandoned them. <laughs> I hate when that happens. It's rude. <laughs> So uh, this match actually starts off with, like, them trying to, like, shake some sense into him. And Watership Doom initially, like, doesn't exactly, like, violently rebuff them. But Neil definitely does. Neil comes (laughs) in and he's like, fuck you, and starts, like, beating the crap out of them. The match goes on. Obviously, you know, Lock and Slay, strong tag team wrestlers. And um, the team of Neil, Watership Doom, and Morgan Mab doesn't have quite the same... uh, the same level of experience with working together as this team does. So for a while, it seems as though Harley Hale, Locke and Slay are going to get the better of this one. And even though Locke and Slay are a pretty dedicated tag team and have been in the past, Harley Hale gets in on the action because Slay does those kind of high flying maneuvers sometimes. And then mm-hmm. he does one where he jumps off of uh, Locke's shoulders, like he goes from the top of the corner onto his shoulders and then comes down at his opponent. And there's a moment where you think he's going to, like, tag in Locke to do it. And then Harley's like, no, I could do it. And, like, <laughs> Harley Hale just flexes and he's like, all right. And then she fucking propels him into his flying maneuver at Watership Doom. But of course, as always happens in a wrestling match, the heels do ultimately take over. Neil and Watership Doom sort of tag back and forth. Mab just kind of stays on the apron, like, watching and, and like, smiling and cheering them on. 
But eventually, Slay is able to make that hot tag. And he makes that hot tag to Harley Hale. And Harley Hale just comes in and starts wrecking shop. Beating the crap out of everybody. (laughs) Throwing down Doom. Don't even care that we used to be friends. Like, whatever. Throwing down Neil. Delivering power bombs and and suplexes and all kinds of big moves to all of them. There's a moment in it whenever Doom is like, because he's kind of precognizant or like, you know, has some some level of weird omniscience. Sure, he has visions, yeah. He's able to like block a move, block a move, and you're like, oh, is this going to work? And Harley Hale's just like, fuck you. Nope. And then she just like kicks his ankle in. Because <laughs> she's wise those... to his shit, and he's like, yeah. oh, fuck you. Yeah, absolutely. She knows what he's all about. She's, she's, got, she's got his number. At one point during this, Warship Doom does, in fact, make the tag to Morgan Mab, who enters the ring for the first time. And uh, instead of fighting Harley, just kind of looks at her a little bit and, oh. like, you know, kind of like smiles and kind of like gestures and waves her hand sort of inconsequentially at Locke and Slay on the outside, who have kind of been recovering from from their beatings. And uh, and it's kind of like, hey, you want to, you know, you can always come over and, and join the winning side. Mm. And Harley, you know, look, Harley Hale, you can say a lot of things about her. You can't say (laughs) that she's never been entranced by a beautiful woman. (laughs) This is true. This is a fact. And there definitely does appear to be a moment where she is strongly considering this offer. Mm. But just when you think she might actually do it, instead, her hand shoots out and grabs Morgan Mab by the throat. (gasps) Starts backing her up into the corner. But that distraction allows Neil to come in and just nail Harley from behind and uh, and take her out. Mab, again, directing traffic. Ferguson Locke ends up getting into the match at this point with Harley down, but he's already taken a lot of damage, and Watership Doom is ultimately the one who personally puts Ferguson Locke away for the win. There was a moment earlier whenever <laughs> Neil yeah. is doing the test of strength with Locke. Uh-huh. And Locke knows that, one, he's got this demonic charm, but two, he's very badly injured yeah. and is going, oh, I can't, I can't do this. So instead, he decides, all right, and just, like, does a kissy face and mm-hmm. really, like, leans in to Neil. And Neil just <laughs> fucking glares and then is like, you want to play? I'll fucking play. And, like, leans back really hard and then Locke's like, oh, fuck, no, I don't want it this, never mind. Yeah, you can definitely tell that Locke was, like, sort of, like, thinking that maybe he could bring his sort of demonic charms, his wiles, into play in this match. But uh, yeah. whatever sorcery Morgan Mab has has cast over uh, Watership Doom and Neil is simply too much. Usually, tag teams conquer over singles wrestlers put together, but when, when you've got black magic involved, anything is possible. Oh, yeah. That's why it's uh, so fun and popular. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so Watership Doom, Neil, and Morgan Mab advanced in the tournament. Harley Hale and the tag team champions... Not going to advance, although they remain a unit and they remain dedicated to doing their thing. And uh, they even get a standing ovation afterward, which is weird for them. Um, But they respond to the standing ovation by flipping off the crowd and leaving together. That's right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that second match in the trios tournament. Another one will be coming at the end of our next episode. I think that's about all we have to talk about for this one, Bob. So um, it is. Just going to say thank you once again to you. Thank you to all of our patrons. Thank you to all of our listeners, fans, supporters, friends, everybody who helps us do what we do. Can't tell you how much we appreciate you. And we will see you in two weeks with a new episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. 
Bye. The Next Wrestling Fan is produced by Miles Schneiderman and Megan Bob, with logo design by Claire Mulcairin. Special thanks to Rafael Medina for our theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative work on Twitter at EarthMofo. Also thanks to Kevin McLeod for additional music and stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at www.incompetech.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook as the NXT Wrestling Fan. Come talk to us. You can also follow Miles on Twitter at MJ Schneiderman and Megan Bob at Megan Bobness. The NXT Wrestling Fan is made possible thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to help us out, go to patreon.com slash NXT Wrestling Fan and join our fantastic stable of contributors. They're the best. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at nxtwrestlingfan at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. I'll you have to understand, it. Bob, that like people who are not like us, who didn't grow up in the American Southwest, mm-hmm. are sometimes proud of being from where they're from. Oh, I'm so, not like, ashamed of being from New Mexico. <laughs> I don't have oh. I don't have that feeling about New Mexico. We're doing the best we can. I guess New Mexico is better than Arizona, so I don't, I, I don't well, blame you about that. I guess I would it wanna, depends. I would want to be announced from elsewhere if I, I was doing. <laughs> I got warm feelings about my home state. I don't got warm feelings about all of it, but I don't, it was always weird. (laughs) We would, I went on a trip that was like a language immersion thing. And it was, there was a bunch of kids from Texas and no shade on Texas. I've got family there, but like, it was extraordinary to me. The extent to which the people from Texas wanted me to fight with them (laughs) To the extent they wanted me to try to best them in some sense on a state by state basis and say like, well, my state so that that way they could tell me how being from Texas was better. And uh, being from New Mexico, I was like, no, yeah, you do have more money. Yeah. No, your schools probably are better. What? Yeah. yeah? And they were just like. Why won't you fight me? And I was going, <laughs> why would I? I don't understand the game you're playing. But The way yeah. of the peaceful warrior, but for locational beefs. Yes, it was a very strange thing. But no, you don't scream about how you're from New Mexico. You just are from New Mexico. And that's yeah. fine. I will get pilloried for saying this, but I'm not a chocolate guy, really. That's fine. Yeah. You don't have to be. <laughs> There's people who have allergies to it, or it makes them, it gives them migraines. Megan Bob or they're pulling just... out the way of the peaceful warrior about dessert beefs now. I see how it is. Just no <laughs> one can. You're like the fucking. You're like Bruce Lee and Enter the Dragon. Like <laughs> the, the art of fighting without fighting, right? I have friends who hate playing games with me for that reason. <laughs> That I have played Munchkin with them, oh, and no. they're like, "Fuck you, Megan Bob, fuck you," because I'm just Play like the game, Megan Bob, and I and I often win <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> they're like, "Get the fuck out of here."